Now let's give a warm New Beginnings welcome to our lead pastor, Pastor Joe Soros. Hallelujah. So if you came in here tonight, looked around a little bit, you, you might not have realized it, but we, we added 40 more chairs in the sanctuary here. And if it wasn't for those 40 chairs, you guys would really be packed here tonight. So we got extra room so you can invite whoever you want. Amen. Um, if you've been around here for any length of time, you've noticed that things are starting to explode, especially on Sunday mornings. So, um, and, and Saturday nights, every one of the services on Saturday nights have been packed. So we rearranged some things, uh, tightened some things up a little bit, and um, we added 40 more chairs. So you guys can, everybody go like this. <sighs> you can breathe a little bit. Amen. Amen. Now, the real test is going to be tomorrow at 11 o'clock service, because for a number of weeks now, um, we had, last Sunday, I was told that we had 40 or 45 people sitting outside in the lobby because they couldn't get in here. And uh, it's a good problem to have, but it's a problem. So, and, you know, we don't know how many people were circling the parking lot and just decided not to come because there was no parking spot. So, um, be sensitive to that. Volunteers, please park. Even if, you're, even if you're not on, you know where else to park. Please park in the other parking spots, either over here on the corner, behind the kitchen remodeling place, or at the Capri building down the block there. Please park there, because a newcomer doesn't know to go to these other parking lots. And so we need to open up some spaces here in the main parking area. Amen? Amen. 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 It's a good thing, right? Yes. Yeah. There's a hunger. There's a thirst that we... We've been believing God for it for a long time, been praying about it, and, and, it's, and it's happening, man. God's pouring out his spirit. Um, last night, I saw a dream come true. Last night here, we had our monthly prayer meeting. If you don't know about that, then write it down in your calendar. Actually, next month, it'll be on the first Wednesday in April rather than the first Friday in April. And they were, what the count I've been given is at least 75 individuals that were here last night praying. You don't understand that. That doesn't happen, okay? Most of the time, over the years, you get a prayer, you know, you might get 12, 20, but to have 75 people here and all engaged, all praying, all just praising God, it was just an amazing, amazing atmosphere to be here. If, if you were here last night, you know what I'm talking about. So uh, this is life from this point on, okay? God's moving. God's moving. If you don't know what that means, God's moving, just sit back and watch. God is moving. So I'm going to teach, start teaching tonight and this weekend, a message that I've been holding on to in my heart. I would say probably since the end of November, the beginning of December. Been waiting, waiting for the green light from the Holy Spirit to be able to present this message. Um, it'll be this weekend, definitely next weekend, and possibly we might even extend it into the following week because... It seems like every time I sit down and go over my notes again, I'm seeing other stuff. Now, if you've been here with us the last couple of months, since January, we've been following, in following the leading of the Holy Spirit, we've been presenting teachings on repentance. And I think we need to go back into that. I don't think we covered that enough. And I don't mean that in a joking way or a condescending way. I just think repentance is something that progressively is revealed. Our, our soul is like an onion. You keep peeling and you see the next layer and the next layer and the next layer. 
And as we humble ourselves before the Lord, and as we repent and ask the, the Holy Spirit to help us, we see more and more things that, okay, you, got, you took care of this, but now we need to take care of this other thing. So we'll be talking about that more. But we've been talking about repentance, which is you were going one direction, you, you receive revelation from the Holy Spirit uh, about your own situation. Not, repentance is for you, not for the person next to you. That's their business, okay? That's up to them to go to God, okay? Because we're good at pointing out what needs to be repented in other people's lives. We've been talking a lot about separation from sin. We spent almost the whole time, uh, the past at least month and a half, if not more, talking about separation from sin, separation from the world system, okay? You're the same as the world system. You can't separate yourself from the world altogether. Uh, We'd get nobody born again. There was a time that you were in the world, and somebody reached out to you, gave you the gospel, and showed you the way to get out of the world system and get into the kingdom of God. But most of all, what we've been talking about, and this is something that will continue into the future, is dependence on the grace of God to be able to resist the temptations of life, to be able to resist the pull and the draw of the world system that operates mostly in greed and materialism and self-centeredness and just it's all about me and the heck with you and we want to we want to avoid that as much as possible amen Amen. now life in the kingdom is is always it's always 2020 hindsight so we can look back and go that's why this happened that's why god said this this is why god moved in this way or that direction and we can clearly see now based on what's happening nationwide how the Lord has been leading us through the teachings, through uh, just, just the general atmosphere of preparation for uh, this move of the Spirit, okay? And, and please, I want you to, please do not treat this lightly, okay? The church is now experiencing, not going to in the future, the church is now experiencing a revival. And when I say revival, some of you, I didn't grow up in that kind of a, a, a religious background, but some of you were used to revivals that got scheduled two years in advance, okay, and such and such a time, one week, we're going to bring an evangelist out here, and that's going to be revival. No, that's just, you're bringing an evangelist, and usually the salvation message would be the main theme of, of that particular week. We're talking about something spontaneous. We're talking about something that God is initiating, And he does it in response to the prayers of his people. But by no means could we possibly make something happen. It's always going to be God. And truthfully, we wouldn't want it any other way. We want it to be authentic. I've seen moves of the Spirit in the past. I've seen the authentic, and I've also seen the hype and the made up and the the flesh. And this flesh stinks. You always can smell when it's flesh. When it's the Holy Ghost and when it's initiated by God himself, there's always a sweet aroma to it. There's a, there's a peace that comes. Amen? So, so we can clearly see now, looking back, even, even the last six months of the last year, I could sense. And looking back now, it's like, okay, yeah, that's why this happened. That's why that emphasis was in this area. But listen to me. Please do not treat this lightly. Please stir yourself up. And I say that as, as the pastor over this, over this church, I'm, I'm challenging you and charging you. Stir yourself up. Because when God is moving like this, you don't want to be a spectator. Right. 
You want to be right in the middle. I want to be right in the middle of it, man. I don't want to be pointing as it goes by. I want to be right in the middle of it. We'll talk some more about it. So at, at the time when I put these notes together, which is actually put it together, was the beginning of last week, this past week. And at that point in time, and I know there's more, there were at least 21 college campuses actively experiencing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Some of them are secular colleges. We're hearing reports, I think one of them was in Kentucky or Tennessee, of middle schools, middle school children experiencing in public schools. Uh, are you listening? Yes. It's happening. And they're experiencing this outpouring. In Norman, Oklahoma, some of you might have seen this report. Uh, Oklahoma University Stadium, which seats 80,000 people, according to a report that I received, has been booked to host a youth prayer and worship event in the next couple of months. 80,000 seats. Chicago and Los Angeles are seeing an explosion of street ministry with hundreds, possibly thousands of people coming to Jesus. And you're not going to see that on the news. They're going to show you the homeless sitting around in Los Angeles all over the streets. They're not going to tell you what's going on, how many people are being born again. You listening? Churches and youth ministries are seeing a heavy outpouring of repentance and healings. In fact, um, Anthony, where are you? I know I saw you over there. Um, we had a meeting, Pastor Matt and myself and Anthony had a meeting with a young man who came to minister here last year, Skylar Linderman. And we have scheduled a youth service for the entire weekend. Well, for Friday night and Saturday, uh, March 31st and April the 1st. Yes, sir. He's coming here. He's got a heart for the youth of our nation, especially for this generation. And we're going to be hosting that that weekend. And we're trusting God that we're going to have at least 100 teenagers in that room. So be praying about that, please. Not only, not only pray about it, but make sure you start lining up which teenagers that maybe you're already in relationship with that you're going to ask to come there. And uh, Skyler has got an amazing anointing on his life. Um, we're, going to see, we're going to see an outpouring break out that weekend. I'm glad two people thought that was important. So... I want you to understand this is not usual. And church as usual will never be the same again, at least, at least in our midst. Amen. I don't say that condescendingly. I don't have authority in any other pulpit except mine. But I declare over this church that we will live with the outpouring of God from this point forward. Amen. That will be lifestyle. Amen? And we'll position ourselves in such a way where we're not an obstacle, but we're rather a vehicle through which God can pour out his spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, this is not the series for this year. This is lifestyle from this point forward. I want you to understand that. We are to become a people who, number one, depend on God's grace to resist sin. Keep clean hands and a pure heart. Quick to repent when we do mess up. Kick aside all the distractions of life in order to experience the presence of God. Whatever those distractions are. You know your distractions, I know my distractions. I, to the point where 
I felt impressed like the Holy Spirit was showing me something. Uh, I love to do these little tests that come in the email. Did anybody else get those little tests, like, like history te- questions and geography questions, stuff like that? Well, I started realizing I'm spending all this time answering these quizzes. And it's like, what am I doing here? I could be spending time praying or spending time uh, watching something that's going to build my spirit up, build myself up. And it worked, so I started deleting them now. I'm not even going to look at the topic. Because if I look at the topic, it's something I'm really interested in. I'm going to be, but what did that become? It becomes a distraction. Oh, Pastor, you're, you, get, you get a little carried away. No, honey, uh, you don't know me, and I don't know you. I know what could be a distraction for me. I don't want to be distracted in this season right now. I said I don't want to be distracted in this season right now. So we're going to cooperate with the Holy Spirit like never before. And we're going to do all we can to reach as many as we can for Jesus. Now watch this. In order to do this is going to require a force that is beyond ourselves. There is only so much that you and I can accomplish in our own strength. And truthfully, God's not expecting us to accomplish things in our own strength. In fact, he established a principle. Unless the Lord builds a house, they let labor labor in vain. I don't want any vain laborings anymore. I don't want to spin my wheels like a gerbil in the cage and get nowhere. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't want to just work out a pattern of religion and rules and regulations and, and, and just um, uh, comfort zones. Comfort zones will kill you. Comfort zones will put you in a position where you, don't, you lose your hunger, you lose your thirst. Don't get comfortable. Don't get comfortable. So to, in order to do this, in order to, to make our, put ourselves in a position where God could do whatever he wants in our midst, is going to require a power, a force, beyond our own strength. Jesus told this to the disciples. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. You ready to jump in? Yes. Because everything I just shared was just introduction to where we're going now, and now is the introduction to the main message. Amen. Okay? Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Would you say that, please? Not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me. Next verse. For John, he's talking about John the Baptist now. John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, in fact, 10 days later, that would be fulfilled. So, verse 6. Therefore... When they had come together, disciples and Jesus, now watch this now, they're, they're standing on the Mount of Olives at this point, okay? From where Jesus would ascend into heaven. They said, when they came together, they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Because they're thinking, you're the Messiah. From what we understand from the prophets, you're supposed to kick the Romans out and reestablish the kingdom to Israel. Next verse. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which my father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. What are they going to receive? Power. Yeah, you're saying it like it's power. They're going to receive what? Power. Yeah, that's more like it. Because that word is the Greek word dunamis, where we get the word dynamite from. 
So it wouldn't be wrong for us to say, you shall receive explosive power. When? When the Holy Spirit has come up on you. And you should be my witnesses. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Amen? Amen. So he said, don't leave Jerusalem yet. You're not ready yet. And there's some people that spend their whole lifetime born again, but really not ready to be used by God in a powerful way. Ten days later, this promise that Jesus made to the disciples came to pass 100%. Acts chapter 2, next, next chapter. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, 10 days after Jesus ascended into heaven, they were all with one accord in one place. All. All. Do we know how many people were there? All. How many? All. Uh, give me a number. 120. You know who was in that 120? Mary. Mary. Hallelujah. <laughs> Our Roman Catholic Mary was there on the day of Pentecost. Amen? Amen. And suddenly, because God loves to do suddenly, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, as of fire. doesn't say as fire, but as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Stop right there. How many of them were filled? All. Every single one of them. Not one of them walked away from this experience and said, well, you know, maybe God gives it to somebody, but he doesn't give it to everybody. No. They were, how many were filled? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And how do we know they were all filled with the Holy Spirit? And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In other words, as the Spirit gave them the syllables, the sounds, the words. Amen. Are you listening to me? Yes. Jesus said to the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem and try to do this on your own strength. You're going to need this experience to carry out what I'm commanding you to do. Listen, church, that didn't stop 2,000 years ago. That, my God, if they needed this power 2,000 years ago, who lived for three, possibly three and a half years with Jesus and saw the miracles, saw him raise the dead, saw him open up blind eyes, saw him feed the multitudes, saw him, do, saw him walk on water. If those individuals that saw him firsthand doing this, how the heck do we think we're going to do this without having that power operating in us? Well, pastor, I thought I had the Holy Spirit when I got born again. You did. You do. But there's two separate experiences. And unfortunately, the church world has done a great job of hiding the second experience. Here's the plan. You're born again. You receive Christ as Lord and Savior. You place your trust in him. You declare your faith in Jesus Christ. That gets you salvation. Amen. Next step. Boom. Baptism, Holy Spirit. Well, my, when am I supposed to get water baptized? Does it, you could do it right after you get born again. You could do it. In fact, this guest speaker that we're having come in a few weeks, 
Bill Weiss, the last time he was here, it was so powerful. We baptized 80 people that afternoon because they understood there is a hell that we want to avoid. Are you listening to me? So listen, you got unsaved loved ones in your family? Uh, That's where I would bring them that weekend. That's why we're having all of our services here in one place. Friday night, Saturday night, Saturday night's two services, I think, and Sunday is another two services. Why? We don't want our people at the other campuses to have to sit there and watch a video. We want all of our campuses to come together, whether they're here Friday, whether they're here on the Saturday nights, or whether they're here Sunday. Bring your unsaved loved ones. What if they get mad? They're going to get mad at you when they wake up in hell and realize you had the message. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Is it better to get mad at you now and maybe go to heaven or get mad at you later for eternity? Bring them. I've sat with this man. This is a genuine experience that he had. Bring them. But watch this now. Jesus told the disciples that even though they were born again, which took place on Easter Sunday night, you remember? Jesus Jesus appears to them in a room, walks through the walls. I don't know how he did it. And he has a conversation with them, and then he, 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 he breathes on them, just like God the Father, the Creator, breathes on that mass of mud and dust who he called Adam. And he breathed the breath of life in Adam. And Adam became, what it tells us in Hebrew, a speaking spirit Amen. with a physical body. Well, the same thing happened that Sunday night. Jesus breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. What was that experience? They got born again. Their spirit came alive unto God. Are you seeing this? Yes. But he said to them, you're born again. That's great. You're going to heaven. I'm paraphrasing here. But even though you're going to heaven, you're not ready to go out in the streets yet. You're not ready to go back to your job. You're not ready to see your family. You're not ready to confront your neighbors. You're not ready for any of this until you have that experience. Praise God. Jesus said they needed that dunamis power. Jesus said they're not ready for, they're ready for life as believers. They're not ready for ministry until they experience that dynamite that comes from the Holy Ghost. Now, I've seen in the past two weeks here in our brick campus, I would imagine it's happening at the other campuses too, but I know of definite, we've had four individuals separate from each other, four separate reports that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit just standing up here while we're all praying together at the end of the service. Because the Holy Spirit comes up on you. It's happening again. It's happening again. How many in this room have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit according to the scriptures? Let me see. Let me see. Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Okay. Now, the rest of you need to jump in. Well, how do I do that? Go ask him. Jesus is the baptizer. (laughs) Jesus, baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Just ask him. We're in that season right now. Listen, we're in that season right now. Don't do without something that Jesus said you should have if you're going to be effective in the kingdom of God. Now listen, we'll say, well, I'll just just coast, I'll just hang out, and someday I'll take my last breath and go to heaven. Are you going to stand in front of Jesus when he says to you, I provided you with the power 
And I had a whole different plan for your life that you never stepped into because all you were content was to go to heaven. If all we're supposed to do is go to heaven, then why doesn't he take us out as soon as we say the prayer? Why don't we just uh, say the prayer in Jesus' name, out of here. No, he leaves us here behind enemy lines so that his kingdom could be established on the earth. So that you could bring relief to those who are oppressed. That you can bring peace to those who are distressed. That you'd be able to, to comfort those who feel like their lives are just bound up in just one torment after another. He's not going to send an angel to do it. Not yet. He sends you and he sends me. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. You're not going to stand in front of Jesus and go, well, Pastor Joe never taught us about this. Mm-mm. Now, We've had to acknowledge something else. And here's where we're going to start getting into the meat of the message. It is wonderful to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need it. We need it. I mean, after experiencing salvation, that's the most exciting thing that could happen to you in this life. We don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in heaven. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit here. The power of God upon us and through us, working through us to affect other people's lives. And that's a wonderful experience. And I pray in the name of Jesus that every person who has not yet experienced that, I pray that you will press into God. Not beg. You don't have to beg because he's, he's, he wants you to have it more than even you want it. But that you'll make yourself available and just receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit from the baptized of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's a wonderful experience. But listen to me. The sustaining power, the maintaining power, comes from a different source. Working together with the Holy Spirit. It's not about a one-time experience that you receive the baptism, boom. Man, you got the fire of God on you. You're speaking in unknown tongues. Man, you're praying up a storm. That's wonderful. But the overflow is in the abiding in him. Abiding. Abiding. Would you say that word, please? Abiding. Abiding. We could use the word dwelling. Both interchangeable. This is what I want to talk to you about this weekend and possibly the next couple of weekends. John 15, verse 1. We're talking about the overflow that's available in our life when we abide in him. Would you say that? Abide in him. Not just stopping by to visit once in a while. Not just acknowledging him when we're in trouble, when there's a crisis. But abiding in him. John 15, 1. I am the true vine, and my father is a vine dresser. He is the vine. Who's he? Jesus. And my father, he said, is the vine dresser or the person, what would we use today? The, the, um, the, what? the gardener, that's a good one. The gardener, the cultivator, the head honcho over the whole vineyard. Okay? Okay, so, so God is the cultivator, the gardener, the vine dresser. Okay? Jesus is the vine. Next verse. Every branch in me, Jesus is saying, every branch in me, in him, that does not bear fruit, 
Could you say the next three words? He takes away. Hold on to those words. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Next verse. Is this in my notes? Yeah. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you, which we can interpret that now on this side of the cross as this. You're already born again, okay, because of the word which has been spoken to us. So what he's saying to them is, you're clean. But watch what happens next. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So you and I are the branch that bears fruit. Turn to somebody and say, hello, branch. branch. You getting this picture? Getting this picture of a vineyard. Get this picture of a vineyard. You have the roots that come out of the ground. That splits off into branches. But you got the main vine coming out of the ground, and the branches shoot off from that main vine. He is the vine. We are the branches. Where where does the fruit get born? Branches. Branches. Okay. Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So it's not a matter of being born again. We're born again. But he's making a differentiation here. Because you can be born again, your spirit alive unto God, going to heaven and live a lifestyle that does not abide in him. You're still just living your own life. Your passport stamp, but you're still living your own life. He said, you do that, you can't bear fruit. Next verse. I, here he goes again. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, in other words, if anyone's not part of the vine, what happens? He's cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So, so who's the disciple? The person that just gets born again? No. no. Who's the disciple? The person who what? Abides. Abides. In ancient times, when someone claimed to be a disciple of an individual, that means they have joined their life to their teacher. That's why the disciples traveled with Jesus, ate with Jesus, Slept to, they, they did nothing apart from each other because that's the mark of a true disciple. Now watch this. Did the multitudes become his disciples? No. 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 Did the 70 that he sent out in obedience become the disciples? No. Who's the disciples? The 12. The ones who joined their life to his. Amen. Are you getting this? Yes. Now, There is power in the abiding because that's where the intimacy is. 
That's where there's safety. That's where there's security. Go back to verse 2. You may have heard me teach this in the past, but I couldn't go forward without teaching this tonight. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, say it, all three words. Ready? One, two, three. He takes away. Now, when you hear he takes away, what do you envision? I envision somebody coming by with a pair of hedge clippers, an axe, just boom, you're out of here. But in every other place, especially in the New Testament, that word, those words are translated. When the the same Greek words are used in other places, it's translated lifted up, not taken away. So let me give you this picture. If you're a vine dresser and want to make money in your vineyard, are you going to be interested in lopping off everything that doesn't work right? No. 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 What are you going to do? Because you'd have no no profit. You wouldn't make any money. If every time you went to your vineyard, you go, oh, that one, no. It fell in the ground. Because you know how vineyards operate? The stump comes out of the ground. It's the vine. The vine breaks off into branches. And some of those branches can grow 100 feet or so in each direction. So what are you going to do? You're going to take those branches. You're going to build a trellis. You're going to tie those branches to the trellis so that when the branches bear fruit, they're not in the mud where there's garbage and parasites and insects and all this kind of stuff, because now your fruit is going to go to waste. Yes? Yes. So if you're a smart vine dresser, you don't go around and go, well, that cluster of grapes fell on the ground. Chop it off and throw it in the garbage. No, what are you going to do? A a wise vine dresser gets up every morning and walks through the vineyard with a bucket of water and a soft cloth. And when he sees a branch that has slipped off the trellis and the fruit is laying in the mud, he doesn't kick it, stomp it, cut it off and throw it in the garbage. He tenderly lifts up that branch, washes the mud, washes the garbage off of the fruit, and then ties it back on the trellis. And what is Jesus comparing his father as? The wise vine dresser. That scripture used to scare the heck out of me for years. Because I don't know about you, has anybody here ever fallen off the trellis? Just one or two people. Maybe this is the first step in repentance. Has anybody here ever fallen off the trellis? And you were laying in the mud. I've fallen and I can't get up. And maybe you laid there for a while and the mud got on you and the insects started biting you and the parasites started eating away at you. At that state in your life, what kind of God would he be if he cut you off and threw you aside? What does he do in his mercy, in his goodness, in his love, in his compassion? What does he do at that point? He lifts us up. He washes us with the water of the word. And then what does he do? Does he rebuke us and tell us, the next time you fall off that trellis? No. He gently restores us back to the, watch this, to the position that he wants us to be in so that we could bear more fruit. But listen to me. The only person who experiences that is the one who abides 
Not the one who stops by, oh, things are tough. Now, don't, let me turn around when I say this. <laughs> Not the person who goes, things are tough, I better get back to church. Oh, there's a crisis, I better get back to church. Oh, I'm running out of money, I better go read my Bible. Or, because I don't want to hear any of you saying outside, yeah, you were looking at me when you said that. <laughs> Are you hearing me tonight? Yes. Listen to me. Salvation gets us ready for heaven. Amen. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the release of God's power on us and through us. But listen to me. The sustaining power to live this life and to bear much fruit for the kingdom of God is in the intimacy that you and I have with him by the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's not going to come any other way. Any other way, your life's going to be a roller coaster. Up one down, one minute, up, down the next, up and down, up and down, up and down. No stability, no power, no sense of peace. The power to overcome in this life is found in the abiding. It's in the connection. It's in the dwelling place. Why? Because the vine dresser loves us enough to lift us up. And because we've been abiding in him, he comes and corrects us when we need correction. He gives us a fresh new sense of safety and security. The dwelling place is a place of redirection. It's a safe place. Ask me how I know this. I got born again. Beyond the shadow of a doubt, I know I was born again, April the 25th, 1984. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit around the first week of August of that same year. I experienced the fire of the Spirit. But after a few years, I got used to that. It wasn't a novelty anymore. I, expand, I expanded my business out of necessity, and now I had little time to sit under the teaching of the Word. I spent probably close to a year never being able to attend a church service. All I lived on was the recordings that my wife would pick up at service, because she would go. She would still bring the kids, and she would bring me. How many remember cassette tapes? Yes. You younger people, you can go to a museum and find a cassette tape. <laughs> I lived on cassette tapes, and you can, only, you can only do that for so long. My relationship with God became sporadic, and there was little, if any, spiritual growth. Why? Because there was no time to abide. I was visiting the Most High, but not dwelling, and the power is in the dwelling, not the visiting, not the periodic experiences. Amen. I want to read that again, because I don't think you're getting it. I didn't have the time to abide. I didn't make the time to abide. And the power is in the abiding. I was visiting the Most High, and usually in time of really extreme crisis. Here I am, God. Here I am, God. Please open up the door. Here I am. I need you. I need you. I need you. Okay, I got relief. I'll see you next time. The power is in the dwelling, not the visiting not in the periodic little experiences here and there. It's in the hiding place. I was shriveling up on the vine. I was dragging in the mud and in danger of rot and bearing no fruit. 
Then I learned to practice his presence, and life began to flow back in again. Many of you have heard me talk about this. You would have thought I was crazy. You could still think I was crazy, but let me tell you something. I would have never made it into the next season of my life if I did not begin to practice the presence of God. Practice the presence. Practice the presence. Really acting like he was really there. And I found out that he was. I was in the restaurant business at that time. Some of you could tell me the story better than I could tell it myself. I would get to my restaurant at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning to get ready. But the first thing I would do when I entered into that season and realized, man, I'm drying up here. I'm drying. And I hate raisins. I don't like to eat raisins. I didn't want to become a raisin. I'm shriveling on the vine. I didn't lose my salvation. I was still attached to the vine, but I wasn't abiding. I had fallen off the trellis and didn't even realize it was dragging in the mud. Didn't even realize I was opening up my soul to parasites and to all kinds of junk that dwells in the mud. And then I realized, I got to start doing something radical. I got to start doing something crazy. So I get to the restaurant early in the morning, and we had a little espresso place, espresso bar and coffee and stuff like that. And I'd go make myself a cup of coffee. And I would sit at my little table in our dining room. I'm talking about the restaurant, where I would do my menus and pay bills and do that stuff. And I would sit there, and I would put another cup of coffee on the other side of the table. And I would say, Jesus, this is for you. I never got to find out if you liked regular or decaf. (laughs) But you understand where I'm going with this? I began to practice his presence. And life started to flow again. And hope for the future started growing again. And I could see fresh vision for my life again. For my marriage, for my family. For the ministry. Practice his presence. I would sit there with the Bible and I would read the Bible and just, just act like he, if he was there personally and just talk to him. Lord, what do I do about this situation? Lord, how do I handle this other thing that popped up? Lord, what do I do about the business that seems like it's failing? That sustained me and brought me into the next season. And in a couple of years, we were at Bible school in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But I'm convinced that if I did not begin to practice his presence, I don't know where we would be today. God, out of his mercy and compassion for this area, would have raised up somebody else to do this. But I would have, I would have totally missed it. Totally missed the calling of God in my life. The power, listen to me, please. The power is in the abiding. It's not in the one-time experience. It's in the abiding and you have to learn to abide. Psalm 23, you're familiar with this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are with me. The the thing is, are we with him? He's with us, but are we with him? Your rod and your staff, they come from me. I'm going to teach about that in the future. I haven't taught on that in a number of years. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. There's the Holy Spirit. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Read the rest of it nice and loud with me. Ready? One, two, three. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, because we read this at funerals all the time, people get the impression that you dwell in the house of the Lord when you die. 
No. If you're not dwelling in the house of the Lord now, you ain't going to be there when you die. There is power and there is safety in the dwelling place. Psalm 27, verse 3. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war breaks out against me, even in this I'll be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, and this has got to be the heart behind that dwelling. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. Ready? Read it with me. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Not in eternity, all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Where's his temple now? Where's the temple of God now? We are. Verse 5, for in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his where? Dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of, of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. And listen to me. We are in a season of divine preparation. We are entering into a time of spiritual renewal. Our attention is being refocused. Our sights are, to, are being set on a new way of life. Our hopes are renewed that it is possible to live holy in the midst of a degenerate society and an ungodly culture. It is possible to live separate from this world and stay in that dwelling place, in that secret place. But it's only going to happen. It's only going to take place if we learn to dwell in that secret place, the place of intimacy, the place of power, the place of safety. Psalm 91. Get used to Psalm 91 because you're going to hear a lot about it in the next couple of weeks. He who what? Come on, can we say this nice and loud? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. Here is where the real power is. Here is where the true life of the vine is found. Outside of the secret place, there is nothing but dead religion and powerless existence. This is to be continued. We are going to unlock the secrets of the secret place. But I want to speak to three groups of people tonight. Worship team, you can come on up. There's those who would recognize and acknowledge, yeah, I, I've fallen off the trellis. I've fallen in the mud. I jokingly said this before, and I can't get up. Because there's something that happens when you fall off the trellis and you're in the mud. The enemy comes and reminds you that you're in the mud constantly. To bring you to a place of guilt and condemnation so that you will not call out for the vine dresser to come and wash you and cleanse you and tie you back up on that trellis where you can bear fruit. So you'll stay in the stinking mud until you take your last breath. He doesn't care that you're going to heaven. All he cares about is once he's got you off the trellis and in the mud, he wants to keep you there. If that's you, I want to pray for you tonight. Secondly, there's those that need to know the good shepherd, the vine dresser, the one who cares for you. You may know about him, but have you ever received him? Have you ever said, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I don't want to live this life like this anymore. A life with no purpose a life with no contentment, a life where no matter what I do, I'm constantly feeling frustrated. Lord, I, I want to get out from under this burden. I want to I have real life. 
in you. I want to know when I go to bed at night that if I should take my last breath that I would be immediately in your presence. I want to know that. If that's you, I want to pray with you. And then finally, there's those. Man, when I say renewal, you go, I want that. I want a fresh relationship with the Lord. I want a fresh new baptism. I want the power and the intimacy of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to ask you to all stand up because we're going to spend some time in worship. This is why we split the service up. I have found in my life, I see it in the scriptures, I've seen it in other people's lives, the way to enter into that secret place that guarantees you to get into the presence of God is worship. It's worship. Because worship, you take your attention off yourself. You take your attention. You're intentional about taking your attention off your problems, off your difficulties, off your challenges, off your crises, and you put them intentionally upon God, and that's where he meets us. Amen. So, here's the deal. If you need to respond to any one of those invitations, get up out of the mud, to receive Christ as your Savior, or to experience a fresh renewal of the Holy Spirit, would you please get out of your seats and come up here so I know who to pray for? But we're going to worship first. We're going to worship first. Amen? Come on, make your way up here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you tonight, God. Thank you for the workings of the Holy Spirit in our lives, God. Thank you for the dealings of the Holy Ghost in each and every one of us, God. Thank you for the washing and the cleansing tonight. Thank you for the restoration tonight. Thank you for those who received Jesus for the first time tonight. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now, Father, I pray in Jesus' name for every single one of us, including myself, Father, that, Lord, as we press in, make time, schedule ourselves to make sure that we are abiding in the vine, abiding in the dwelling place, that we're, we're living, we're camping out in the secret place of the Most High. Father, as we continue to abide in you and allow your word to abide in us, Father, I pray as Paul prayed for the Ephesian church that you would grant unto every single one of us that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, that the eyes of our understanding, Father God, would be enlightened, flooded with light, Father, that we would see you in a fresh new way, God, that we would turn from the wrong perspectives we may have had of you, Father, that we would cease the distractions in our life so that we can spend time at your feet, Lord Jesus, allowing our minds to be renewed by your word, Father, ordering our confession right, Father, speaking the right things, speaking those things that line up with your word, Father. And Lord, we can thank you that that will all be a result. It'll grow and grow and grow and grow, stronger and stronger. We become stronger and stronger. We become stronger and stronger, Father, as we dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Father, I thank you for every person that you've drawn here tonight. I thank you that we've had this experience here with you, God. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray you would continue to draw us into the presence of the Father. 
Hallelujah, we bless you, Lord God. Hallelujah, we bless you, Lord God. Hallelujah, we bless you, Father. I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, God, the presence, your presence. Father, heavy presence, God. Just rest. Holy Spirit, rest on us. Holy Spirit, rest on us. Could you say that with me, please? Holy Spirit, rest on us. We know your presence is in us, Lord. Do we know that your word says that we have an unction within us? The Holy Ghost dwelling in us. But Lord, we are asking for the heavy weight of your glory to rest upon each and every single one of us. The richness of your glory, Father. Your presence, oh God. Your presence, oh God. Your presence, God. Continuously washing us with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Continually empowering us. Positioning us to experience more and more of you. Less of ourselves, less of this world, and more of you, God. Even as John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that he could increase. Less of us, Father, more of you. More of you. More of you. Thank you, God. Lord, in your presence, there's fullness, God. Fullness of joy, Father. In your presence, God. Our hearts, Father God, are, are mended. Broken hearts are mended in the presence of God. Bodies are healed in the presence of God. Dreams are restored in the presence of God. Fresh vision is revealed in the presence of God. Draw close. Draw close. Draw close. He durabosia katolo meseta la brakende kasheko tokoko. Alengre di shantole brosa shabreka de masitakutesh. And as you draw close, 
you'll learn the rhythms of my heart, says the Lord. As you draw close, you'll sense the safety more and more and more, the stability, the goodness, and the faithfulness of God. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for your promise. You said as we draw close to you, you draw close to us. And Father, I thank you for those that took the first step tonight. Those, Father God, who were honest, transparent, and positioned themselves vulnerably to say, God, here I am. Do what you want. Let's say that together, please. Father, here I am. Do what you want. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Okay. If there are those of you, whether at your seats or up here, that this is the very first time that you really said from your heart that prayer to receive Christ, to receive him as your Savior, to declare unashamedly your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, please, if tonight was the night that you did it seriously, tonight is the night that you meant it from your heart, not because of emotion, but because you've come to the realization Jesus is who the Bible says he is. If that's you, when everyone else is dismissed, please would you stay up here and just walk over to this area here because there'll be prayer workers that come. We want to give you a Bible. We want to get to know who you are because this is, a, this is a great start of this great adventure that you just launched into tonight. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. I pray that this is the first steps in this new season for each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. God bless you. God bless you.